Welcome to episode 186 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your host Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, our final one for 2020, we present the 5th Annual Rugby League Republic Awards. Join us as we build the Rugby League community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 186 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you doing? Our last episode, we made it. We, That's we conquered, right. We conquered COVID. Well, no, not quite, but we did it. <laughs> it's the end of the 2020 season. It is yeah. our prestigious Rugby League Republic Awards. Are you pumped? Yes, yes, I am. A night of glamour, a, a night of glitz. <laughs> are, you wearing, um, are you wearing your sequin dress? Oh, no, I know. I, I am. I am. And of course, you know, we, we've had to take uh, COVID safe, uh, you know, uh, precautions uh, to do the award show tonight. So, um, you know, so no players were invited. I think you and I are at least 1.5 kilometres away. Um <laughs> That's right. That's right. We're, all, so. we're all zooming, zooming, and remoting in from different parts of the world. That's and, right. That's uh, right. And look, you know, look in celebration. I am wearing a special tie. It has. Uh, I wish I could show you, but it has uh, little little um, Cameron Smith faces all over it. So you know, it's a very special mm. occasion because you know nothing says awards like uh, having Cameron Smith's face. Uh, looking back at you, of course, in celebration of his uh, upcoming, uh, is it an autobiography? I don't know what it is. There's a book that he's released. I believe mm. it's uh, a manifesto, I think it's called. It's a manifest. Is it? <laughs> is it? <laughs> or, or, look, it's possibly, possibly, uh, possibly it's the second contract uh, that they've finally uncovered in the evidence. Uh, you know, the FBI <laughs> has finally uncovered yeah. it. But that's you know, true, regardless true. of that. Um, but yeah, you're pumped for the awards. I mean, I think we've got, we, you know, we've got some good ones, mm. and uh, I'm always excited about this time of year, Tish, because it is our chance to look back and uh, and and have a bit of a bit of a laugh as well at some of the funny things that the shenanigans of the year, and there have been plenty of shenanigans this year. This has Absolutely. been peak shenanigan. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> shenanigan in 2020 i think it's That's uh right. it, it's been dubbed you know simply the shenanigan was the uh theme at the start of the year you know with That's uh right. you know it was kind of weird yeah Cameron smith he was at the end of the thing and uh we'll start at the end the end of the thing and uh they end up winning so that was kind of remarkable so uh that's crazy but um I was, i'm just gonna look i just gonna let everybody know that uh you know that uh that all the awards tonight you know we have uh we have um you know uh manually hand counted every single vote um, there's been a representative from uh, your end, Dr. T, and a representative my end, overlooking uh, every single one of these votes, uh, making sure that everything is above board. We've, uh, you know, we've hired a team of uh, white hackers to ensure that none of the, uh, you know, the machines that we've used for any of these awards, uh, 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 you know, that uh, are being hacked. So, 
you know, so so hopefully uh, we can stay out of the Supreme Court. Um, <laughs> That's right. That's right. We just want to stay totally clear and make sure that everyone knows it, this is all above board. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and look, really, it's just our opinion. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. There you go. So uh, I think, uh, yeah, look, so I think this is the fifth annual uh, Rugby League uh, Republic Awards. I think we should just kick it straight off. What do you think? Let's do it. Let's get into the 2020 Rugby League Republic Awards. Here we go. So 2020 is the fifth year of the formation of the Rugby League Republic, and it is fitting that we take a look back at the year gone by and justly award those citizens of the Republic, players and otherwise, who have contributed to the growth and continued glory of the Republic, not just in Australia, but throughout the world. And look, this year we have a total of 13 awards, uh, same as last year. So uh, we haven't added any new awards, although we would have liked to, but uh, I think what we'll do is we'll we'll just go through all of them because there's quite a bit to get through, and uh, let's do it. So the first award is the Imperator Destinatus Award, and uh, in Latin this means destined to be emperor, and we award this to the best rookie in rugby league. That is the player destined to be the best. So this is our version of Rookie of the Year Award, and look. What a list of uh, of great players we've had in the past. We've all the way back from 2017. Nick Cottridge won that award in 2018. Jermaine Azarko won that award. 2019, Dylan Brown was the winner. And this year, we have a bit of a fight on our hands because we've got uh, we've got some differences of opinion there, Tish. So, look, how about you put your nomination forward and then I'll tell you mine and then we'll see if we can't work out the winner. Okay, okay. Well, I've got to say uh, 2020 has been a year full of rookies. Um, obviously, since of uh, COVID and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, no buys this year and, you know, no break for state of origin. It's pretty much been, uh, you know, it's been a tough battle for all the clubs, keeping uh, people, uh, keeping uh, you know, sort of uh, their team fresh. So you know, we've had um, you know the halfback for the Dragons, Adam McLoone, uh debuting this year. Obviously, that's a big role, big responsibility. They had a poor season. You had, uh, you know, Egan Butcher and Tex Hoy, and you know, uh, for for Newcastle, you know, you sort of had. Um, you know, even Albert Hopewade sort of uh, made his, uh, uh, you know, debut. Toby Rudolph for the Sharks, I thought was great. Uh, but you know what? There is no. I think. I think you know when it comes to rookie, you got to go back to their first game and what sort of impact they had on their first game, right? And you know, the 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 key to having a great debut is that you need to break a record, right? And uh, this play certainly did this year. You know, he sort of started the season and. Um, you know, he broke a record. Most tries on debut, I think it is. Um, you know, he also uh, he also uh, you know the, you know for you know the, the hometown that he was on. He had a he had a group of his mates that uh, sort of came down for his. Uh, you know, actually came out. Uh, you know, came out to actually see him. They followed him around the park during this break, which is you know during the COVID break. So I thought that was fantastic. And then top of all of that, you know, that they had that rule where if he scored a try. Um, 
you know, for every try he scored, everybody got free drinks at his local pub, and they ended up having no drinks left because the place, uh, you know, ran out of beer. So that's that kind of shows you what type of impact he had. On top of all of that, you know, straight after his debut, what happens? He, uh, you know, he gets a, a locked jaw, gets taken straight to hospital, and we don't even see him back for the rest of the season, I don't think. But I've got to give it to him. It's got to be Charlie Staines. Um, I think the Stain name is going to go through. Uh, it's not going to be a laundry term anymore. Um, it's going to be an NRL term. And I think Charlie Staines, uh, you know, greatest greatest one-match debut rookie, I would have to give it to Charlie Staines. Well, I'm going to put my nomination forward, Tish, uh, and that is, you know, one of your players, Harry Grant. Oh, yeah. Who sort I- of one of our players, let's, let's be honest here. What's that, sorry? Because he's kind of going back to Melbourne, isn't he, Harry? True, true. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess it is painful to talk about uh, former (laughs) Tigers players. But, you know, uh, he – I think he's – he had a brilliant uh, debut in in the final game of the State of Origin series this year. Um, You know, some might say he won – he uh, he got the 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 match-winning try or the the try that sort of uh, separated them at the end. Mm. Um, and look, had a really brilliant debut. So I think, yeah. I, look, in my view, I think he has shown as, at really the pointy end of the season. Uh, he has shown so much promise, and and look, really up against the best, one of the best hookers in the game, Damian Cook. He kind of bested him a little bit in that third game. Wow, yeah. And yeah, so you I think actually running. when yeah. you put all this together, I look, mm. I'm very much planting the flag. For Harry Grant. So, Tish, will you reconsider? Are we going to agree for Harry Grant? Yeah, it's a bit hard for me to win when I'm sort of looking at one game and you're sort of looking at the whole season. (laughs) And you're talking about a player who's uh, sort of been the, you know, been kept under wraps by Cameron Smith for so long, finally gets a debut, and then gets to play State of Origin. (laughs) <laughs> and becomes the match winners by the end of the year. So I think, uh, yeah, look, you know what? I, I, I have to give it to Harry. I think the whole NRL is wild about Harry. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody's wild about Harry. And, uh, and I've got to say that, like, even even at Leichhardt, you know, I'll never forget that day where, you know, he came off the field and, the, the, the you know, the audience was actually had a Harry, Harry, Harry uh, cheer, which, um, you know, at first we thought it was the Harry Christians. No, but it was actually Harry Grant. And, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, and not even Robbie Farrow even got that sort of reception at Leichhardt. So that's uh, that shows you how good he did. So I think Harry Grant, Rookie of the Year. Um, how, how do we say it in the uh, in the Roman terms? It is the uh, Imperatus Destinatus, right? That's right, Imperator Destinatus. So well yeah. done. Hail, Hail Harry. Harry Grant. Harry Grant, yeah. <laughs> Well done. All right. First cab off the rank. So let's move on to the next one, which is the Augustus Award. So the Augustus Award, Augustus meaning majestic or venerable. It's derived from the Latin augure, meaning to increase. And it's awarded to the most improved player in rugby league. And uh, and we say rugby league because even though we're focused on NRL, uh, we do want to leave the door open to anyone else. But Generally, we are focused on NRL here. So, look again, another who's who of uh, of really great players. In 2017, we had Michael Morgan winning this award. In 2018, we had Damien Cook. I think he's probably his breakout year. 
in terms of, uh, you know, exploding back onto State of Origin. And obviously that was when we had won the first of two in a row in New South Wales State of Origin. And last year, Mitchell Moses was the winner. But this year, this year, I look, I've given it to someone. Uh, my Let's do the nominations. My nomination is someone who, look, I think it's fair to say he was he's already a good player. He's already a great player. Mm. But I think he, uh, I don't believe he's actually really kind of stepped up until this State of Origin series. So again, I'm focusing on State of Origin, but also, I guess as well, also on uh, on you know in, in terms of uh, the NRL season proper, um, being part of a winning team in the Melbourne Storm. I'm going to pick Cameron Munster because I think this year he's really come of age in terms of. Um, you know, you, you will remember, I think it was last year or the year before, he kind of disgraced himself a little bit by acting like a bit of a brat and, you know, kicking and doing all sorts of stupid things in the state of origin. But I think this year he kind of pulled it all together and out of nothing, he actually kind of conjured up a victory for them uh, at mm. the very end when it counted. And he was really the difference. When he was gone in game two, it was all New South Wales. And to me, that just shows how important he is to that squad. And and this wasn't the case, uh, you know, like even last year. So I think uh, in in my mind, he has improved out of sight. But that's my nomination uh, and that's my reasoning. Tish, what about you? Well, Dr. T, you've made a really good point. And, and actually, I, I have nominated somebody. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> when you were talking about the season that Cameron Munster had, it, it actually brought to play, uh, you know, in my mind, another player that uh, last year he was actually kicked out of the Origin team, and uh, because for his poor performance, but this year has become probably the most feared and most dangerous player in the NRL uh, to the point where uh, there was a you know there was a particular game where you know where one of the best defensive teams were you know he was playing against one of the best defensive teams in the competition. He had the ball in his hands, and there were three players trying to tackle him, all running in different directions because nobody knew what he was going to do. And that's Cody Walker, but he's just going to be an honourable mention. Because, <laughs> sorry, I just yeah. Anyway, I think you should be in the conversation. But I think the player that I have to go back to is Ryan Peppenhausen from the from the same team, the Melbourne Storm. And the reason why is because in in 2019 he was um you know he was like the fourth or the second or third in line to be fullback at the Melbourne Storm. Then they get an injury. Jerome uh, Jerome Hughes goes to halfback. He finally gets his run in, in 2019 and you know, has a good season. And this year, uh, he turns out to be probably one of the most uh, dangerous fullbacks in the competition, a starting fullback. And a lot of, you know, a lot of analysts are saying that uh, you know, it was, uh, he was in the Origin squad, but he should have actually played that final game. It would have been, um, you know, he could have been a, an able replacement for, uh, for, for uh, Tedesco. So I think Ryan Peppenhausen, in terms of, for a player that, you know, sort of, you know, was unwanted by the Tigers, let's be honest, moved to the Storm, um, and in two seasons um, went from, like, you know, just a, just a fringe player to being, uh, you know, man of the match in the grand final, and deservedly so, um, and, and a game winner for the for the Storm, really. I would have to, I'd have to give it to, uh, I'd have to say my nomination would be uh, Ryan Peppenhausen. What, what, what are your, what do you think? Do you concede... Uh, 
Monster for Pemberhausen, what do you think? I I think yeah. Look, it's a shame that we've got both Storm uh, people there, but anyway, <laughs> uh, we couldn't we couldn't we couldn't bring it upon ourselves to come up with an Eels fan an Eels player. But there you go. Look, I I'd have to concede. I think you're right. I think Pappenhausen. I think uh, you know he he has all of a sudden become you know he was his name was being touted as possibly uh, you know. Possibly even with a fit Tedesco being brought in to the squad uh, to cover a few positions in the back line, and they probably should have done that in retrospect. <laughs> they really needed someone. They would have really needed someone like him in that third state of origin game. But I think, I think you're right. In the um, in uh, the grand final, Clive Churchill medal winner uh, out of. Look, pretty much obscurity last year. Uh, he has increased his stock significantly. I'd have to agree with you, Tish. Ryan Pappenheisen is the winner of the 2020 Augustus Award. Well done, Ryan. Hail Ryan. Hail Ryan. <laughs> All right. So the next one is called the Invictus Award. And Invictus means uh, unconquered. And we award this to the best defender in rugby league. And so we have, um, going back all the way since the first year we've been doing these awards, where Jake Friend won the first two in a row, uh, and then in 2018, uh, James Tedesco won, and last year, Damien Cook won. And look, I think it's fair to say uh, that Damien Cook will probably figure in the in the in the nominations here. So I'm going to hand over to you, because I believe you have nominated Damien Cook. Yeah, look, I have. I went purely uh, based on the number of tackles, <laughs> and he's leading the, the the tackle game for the year. Um, and look, uh, for a team like the Rabbitohs, um, you know, he is obviously you know making all those tackles at risk, but he's really got a big forward pack, you know, and they're not really known renowned for their attack; they're more renowned for their defence. Um, but they won games by more than thirty or forty. So I kind of, I uh, sorry, they're more renowned for their attack than the de- than their de- defense. So I think Damien Cook uh, held it together uh, a lot better than maybe yeah. So I think he kind of shines a little bit uh, based on his defensive e- efforts. So I-, I think Damien Cook for mine uh, is my nomination for best uh, defender. All right. Well, I have chosen uh, someone who's actually has been very integral in the Penrith Panthers lineup, and that is uh, Apisai Korosau, mm. who, uh, you know, a bit of an unsung hero. Uh, I think when we were doing the re- the preview of the grand final, I did make note that he was there in uh, 2014 when the Rabbitohs won their historic, uh, historic grand final. And so this is someone who had experience at that level, and uh, you know was was quite integral to that side, but but a bit of a forgotten or unsung hero. And I think I think the same can be said for what he's done for Penrith over the over the years, and I think uh, over this year in particular. And I I think a lot of what he brought was some strength around uh, you know in terms of tackling and defending, because he also was up there in terms of the stats, uh, not as high as Damien Cook, um, but look. Having said that, I think I think it's fair to say, and you know, from what I saw in the State of Origin as well, Damien Cook, I think part of the reason why he was nullified a little bit in attack was because he spent most of his time tackling and trying to be that defender. Mm. And I think 
that's not really what we needed him to do. We needed him to have the energy to kind yeah. of, uh, you know. So, I, I look, I'm going to go with you on this one. I think Damien Cook, you know, just as we saw Jake Friend win two years in a row, I think Damien Cook deserves to win this one uh, two years in a row. I think he's shown that, you know, he uh, he certainly, you know, he, he's he's one of the first people there, and the numbers sort of don't don't tell a lie there um, when it comes to tackling and defending, and he's been pretty strong this year as well. I don't think he made too many blunders this year uh, in in big games, from what I saw. I think in the state of origin, he was fairly solid as well. And, and especially given that this year was quite a quite a very very interesting and a tough series, um, I'd have to give that to you. So I would go with Damien Cook. So Damien Cook, congratulations! You win for the second year in a row the Invictus Award. Congratulations and hail Damien Cook! Hail Cook! Hail Cookie! <laughs> All right, let's move on now to. Now, this is the Tetrarchy Award. So Tetrarchy, which means leadership of four, and we award this to what we call the best spine in rugby league, and that is the uh, fullback, 5'8", halfback, and hooker, four of the most important uh, kind of positions in the rugby league lineup. It's called the spine for a good reason because collectively those four positions are kind of critical to decision-making you know, making sure that the, the, the forwards are firing, but also making sure that the back line is singing as well. And uh, what we've seen over the years is that generally the the, the best spine, uh, the best performing spine in the year, in that year, usually ends up winning the grand final. And for that reason, I have actually nominated uh, the Melbourne Storm, who has uh, Pappenheisen, Munster, Jacks, and... Cameron Smith, of course, uh, and as the uh, my nomination for the Tetrarchy Award this year, Tish, who are you going to go with? <laughs> okay, well, I just just want to say you've got Jackson there, but I think I think uh, Jerome Hughes is probably oh, Jerome Hughes. Sorry, yeah, yeah, is probably the halfback. It is, and it is interesting with the Melbourne Storm how um, usually halfback is probably the first name you think of, but I think in that spine, Jerome Hughes ends up being the last guy you think of, which is kind of very interesting. But look, you know, what you talked about there, about those key positions and those key decision makers, well, I think in business, you know, you also got the chairman, the CEO, the head of football operations, and the head of Project 11, uh, 13 or 11 or Apollo or whatever it's called. But I think, uh, you know, that is the spine of the NRL, and they really held it together, made sure the game didn't go bankrupt, uh, made sure that, uh, you know, we got the game back up and running, uh, made sure they stuffed up Origin and Queensland won, um, but uh, I'd have to give it to the uh, yeah the the big four in the NRL, the uh, you know Wayne Pierce, Graham Mannersley, PVL, and Andrew Abdo for holding the game together with band aids and um, and and face masks. Well, well, I mean, look purely on the basis of a technicality, I'm going to have to disqualify. <laughs> Okay, yeah. <laughs> you on this one. Okay, Just right. purely because uh it it doesn't qualify as uh <laughs> as as, okay. as rugby league players, but I do like where you're coming from, but let's keep in mind we do have awards for administrators coming up, so okay, you okay. don't need to worry about that. The, the, I'm sure you'll get your chance to talk about PVL. But look, 
uh, on the basis of that, I think by default, almost almost what happened in the grand final by default, <laughs> the Melbourne yeah. Storm is winning this one. So the Tetraki Award goes to the Melbourne Storm uh, quartet. Well yep. done. And uh, all hail Melbourne Storm. All hail Melbourne Storm. And the scary thing is, next year with uh, potentially Grant, likely Grant getting in there, they're actually going to be stronger than this year. So that's, that's going to be quite <laughs> It will quite be a, a bit of a worry. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. All right. So let's move on to the Centurion Award. So Centurion uh, meaning, you know, an example of a soldier. And we award this one to the most tireless workhorse in rugby league. And so this isn't just about defense. This is about, you know, like overall. And so, again, a bunch of prestigious winners here in the past. We've had the 2017 winner was Jason Tamalolo. In 2018, Jake Trebojevic won that one. And last year, the, uh, the reigning Centurion Award holder is Josh Papali. Uh, I would have to say, though, that this year there are a couple of others that may be taking his place. So, Tish, um, I'll let you give your nomination first up. Okay, look, well, for me, we've already talked about him, but um, when you look at it, he's the top tackler of the year, but he's also got the most dummy half runs as well, and I think he's probably going to feature a lot when it comes to try assists and things of that nature. So I've gone with... Uh, Damien Cook, uh, once again, um, this time for the tireless worker. I was tempted to also put PVL uh, in there as well, you know, tirelessly working for the NRL, um, you know, uh, but, you know, growing a beard in the middle of it as well. But, um, but look, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but, but I think Damien Cook, and, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, and you're right in a way as well, it, it's probably a little bit to his detriment a little bit sometimes, the amount of work he goes through, because it does, um, it might stifle his attacking ability. And if you've got a, a guy like Damien Cook in the team, uh, you just don't want him to be a defender and, uh, you know, the occasional dummy half runner. You want him to be a uh, – you want him, you want him to be a threat out of dummy half pretty much the entire game and you want him to, to hold, hold steady. So maybe he's a little too defensive this year, but I thought in terms of the stats, he certainly is up there. What about your thoughts, Dr. T? Yeah, Tish, look, I, we might have to have a discussion about this one because I've nominated James Fisher-Harris from the Panthers. And he, I think in my mind, he, he has also done a few things that, that sort of indicate to me that he's a tireless workhorse. In terms of stats, there is a couple of really interesting stats that sort of tell me, uh, you know, that say a lot about his sort of work rate as well. So one is he topped... Uh, the entire league in uh, post-contact meters. Now, only by a few meters, he beat David Clemmer from the Knights, but uh, 1,534 post-contact meters. So that that usually uh, comes from uh, the forwards when they first get tackled and, you know, their, their ability to push through and keep getting some yardage. I think that's really important. Although not always. So in this case, in if you look at the stats, I think in the top five is Josh Mansell, who is obviously a winger for the Panthers and and obviously has uh, is a kind of player. And you remember, I think last year or the year before, Blake Ferguson kind of topped this this one quite uh, significantly. This stat and and indicating that you know some of these players once they get tackled, uh, they're hard to stop, and so they just push through, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. 
that was an interesting one. But then I also look at another stat, which is interesting. And in terms of all runs, he's had the most number of runs also uh, all year, 444. Um, 12 more than James Tedesco, who himself is a bit of a workhorse as well. So, um, look, yeah, and so, look, I think on that basis, he, uh, I, I think he's... He's kind of um, shown that you know he's the kind of player that that gets gets things moving along, etc. But I'd have to say, uh, you did mention Damien Cook, and quite apart from being the the top uh, tackler of the year in terms of number of tackles, I, I do have to say, if you look at dummy half runs, it's not just that he topped uh, <laughs> he topped the number of dummy half runs. He, he topped it by quite a fair way. In fact, he almost doubled. Um, it's pretty close to doubling the next best person, who was Harry yeah. Grant, who had 107 dummy half runs, and Damien Cook had 186. I mean, that is that's unbelievable. Like that is so much more than the next best. So I think you know, and he's all, and he's obviously featured in uh, other stats as well around tackling, etc. So. Look, I think you've convinced me. I think I think Damien Cook. It's not just the uh, the tackling, but the fact that he then constantly backs up in in attack as well, and has been quite effective this year for the Rabbitohs. I mean, when needed, he generally uh, did a good job. Obviously, I mentioned earlier that in State of Origin three, in particular, he was nullified a little bit, but that's probably because you know it's just an, an extra step up in terms of intensity. Uh, so, but having said that, one of the fittest in the league, most tireless workhorse, Tish, I am proud to say Damien Cook is a deserving winner of the 2020 Centurion Award. Hail right. Damien Hail. Cook. Hail Damien Cook. And look, I've got to say, James Fisher Harris, yeah, he's had a great season. And really, uh, you know, it's interesting with the Panthers, they've got like seven players in the top 50 for the for the most tackles. Um, and I think the same stead in the run. So you could tell that they are a very team-oriented team. Whereas I don't think the Rabbitohs have that much. So you could just see the amount of extra work. You might call Damien Cook a bit of a hog. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, he's, just, he's just following <laughs> Wayne Bennett's orders. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. but, but he's had a great season and we, we, we like him and, and, and reality is um, yeah we were robbed of New South Wales having Captain Cook as uh, yeah we, we were robbed of that and maybe he could be captain for uh, New South Wales next time because um, you know it'd be great and they could uh, they could uh, you know train out in uh, Botany as well <laughs> which, which is in the South Sydney area as well so, so there you go <laughs> there you go um, all right, so let's move on to the next one. So the Pontifex Maximum Award, which is uh, which means Supreme Pontiff or Greatest Bridge Maker, and we award this uh, this one to the best referee in rugby league. Uh, we've had a, a who's who of the best in the past <laughs> few years. Matt Checken won two years in a row, and last year. Graham Annesley won as well for his role in, uh, you know, as referee's boss. And I am going to say this year my nomination. Uh, look, and let's 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 be fair. A lot of people will be tempted to put Cameron <laughs> Smith as the best referee in the, but that's again on a technicality. I cannot allow it. I I will say though, however, on a serious note, that I think. Unfortunately, the best referee in the game was not really rewarded at the end of the day. I think, uh, 
you know, I think we we've had we've had our our fair share of opinions uh, about uh, is it Jared Sutton? Yes. And and, uh, and and look, I think you know we saw two examples of this in the State of Origin series where uh, you know his inability to keep time at the end <laughs> accurately in two of the three games was kind of ridiculous and it led to a farcical situation in both of the games. And so that was ridiculous. But, um, and look, I think, I think one, one referee who has not had as much uh, opportunity to referee the big games, but I think has a lot of respect from the players and, and he's actually quite accurate. I mean, I don't think he's, uh, I, I can't remember the last time though, I watched a, a match with this referee and thought, Oh no, there's uh you know he's a bit inconsistent or he's a bit biased. I think he's he sort of he lays down the law and that's that. And his name is Gavin Badger, and Gavin Badger has been I think pretty good for a few years. And and look, I think he's uh you know a bit like Matt Checkin. I think he um he kind of is a bit undervalued, but I think this is our opportunity to say thanks to Gavin Badger for. And I believe he's has he retired? I think or he was. <laughs> I, th- I believe I saw he was retiring. So if you know, this maybe is the last last chance to to give him one of these awards. But I, I thought he's done well yeah. this year uh, in the circumstances. So for me, Gavin Badger. What about you, Tish? Yeah. Oh, look, I have to agree. I did actually hear an interview with uh, with with uh, Badger, and um, he um, unfortunately, I, I don't believe it's a situation where. He, he necessarily wants to stop refereeing. Um, I think that was just because of obviously we went from two referees to one referee. Um, so and I think that they didn't find a position for him. But uh, look, I think he's always uh, done well, and I th- believe he's also featured quite heavily as the video referee. And uh, you know, I think he's been one of the better video referees uh, in terms of uh, tracking decisions. You know, so so yes, yeah, so so there you go. And look, I've got to say, look, uh, you know, we might be. A critical on, on uh, referees out there, but you know I, I've got to also uh, you know make mention of uh, I think Grant Atkins uh, has had a couple of good games as referee. I think I've seen him uh, do that. Uh, you know I've always uh, thought that the work that uh, you know Henry Penanara Penawara uh, is is great. So and I know that they've even got some female referees as well that uh, they're also grooming. So I think I think. Um, I think I think it will be good. Uh, I think the referee standards is going to get better with some of the younger referees. Um, so yeah, but look, Badger, thank you for your commitment, hard work. It's not easy being a referee. Uh, it's not easy, uh, you know, counting to six and then uh, you know six again and stuffs you up and zero tackle there and everything and uh, making decisions uh, in critical moments. Every decision is under the microscope in 2020. So uh, well done to uh, Badger for not just a great season but a great career. Absolutely. Well done for the winning the Pontifex Maximum Award for 2020. Gavin Badger, all hell, Gavin Badger. All hell, Badger. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a bit weird. I don't know. Um, all right. Yeah. The the next one is the Imperator Award. So Imperator meaning commander. And mm. this is awarded to the best captain in rugby league. And uh, look, just like uh, in the NRL, we've had uh, a bit of a back and forth between the Storm and the Roosters here. We've had, we've seen Cameron Smith win it in 2017. Uh, we've seen uh, Boyd Cordner winning two years in a row. Could he win a third, a trifecta 
a third in a row. Um, Tish, who is your nominee for okay. the Imperator Award this year? Well, I've gone with the man himself, PVL. <laughs> right. If you're talking about a captain, who is captain of rugby league in the world, uh, you know, of sport in the world, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, taking on Channel Nine and Foxtel, you could even say he's the best referee, being able to uh, to sort of navigate those negotiations. You know, um, you know, he's uh, he's appointed his successor in Andrew Addo. He's gone out and interviewed. He had a, had a meeting with Netflix and uh, Amazon to talk about streaming content. Uh, he's done it all. Uh, you know, tra- he's you know just tirelessly working away. So I think PVL. Uh, in terms of captaining. Um, but from a play point of view, I, I've just thought about this and uh, it's going to be a strong candidate, I, I've got to say. I have to actually give it to, um, you know, there's a team out there that a lot of people uh, didn't think that they will have such a great season. Now, they had a great season. They did die off in the end, but even when they were dying off, this player still gave it his all and was courageous as a captain. Not only that, you know, he was his uh, debut, you know, uh, Origin Series this year. And even in the third game when New South Wales needed leadership, I could see him, you know, actually trying to rally the troops. And he's just one of the young, well, just one of the newcomers to the squad. But, you know, just oozing leadership ability everywhere he's going to. Um, you know, he's probably the next motivational speaker, you know, the next Tony Robbins. I have to give it to Clint Gutherson. Because Gutho, uh, you know... Say what you say about Parramatta, you know, they've, they do have a good lineup, but a lot of people didn't think they had a good lineup at the start of the 2019 season. And he's been the captain throughout these last few, two years. And this year, they were front runners for a long time. And, you know, uh, it takes a lot for a team that sort of hasn't had the best 10 years before him to come out and really lead a young group of players and turn them into essentially, um, you know, one of the top teams in the NRL. And I think Gutherson has a big. Uh, he has a big role in that. And, uh, you know, that semi-final where they went out, there was the, you know, 10 to 15-minute Gutherson show where it was all, you know, he was the most valuable player in the, in, in the field. Unfortunately, I think some of the decisions that New South Wales management made, um, you know, he probably could have had a bit more impact in the series. But nevertheless, uh, you know, he was still trying to uh, rally the troops, which you got to commend for a guy that, you know, is is not actually slated in the leadership group, but still trying to encourage everybody and playing um, in a different position to what he's picked. So I think I think uh, if I have to give it to the best commander in the NRL at the moment, I think it's Clint Gutherson. Well, I mean, look, I'd have to say, uh, look, I actually chose uh, Cameron Smith because. <laughs> Oh, of course, yeah. Because, I see it, I see it. Well, because of the, uh, you know, the obvious, it feels like, it's kind of like, you know, who's the coach of the year in, in the Daly M's? It's almost always the one that gets a minor premiership, isn't it? But mm. but I, I'd have to say I'm I'm kind of getting, you know, I'm getting a bit convinced about the Clint Gutherson thing because I think, because <laughs> okay. I agree, I think he actually was the reason, his captaincy was the reason why we even got back into that semifinal against the, the Rabbitohs. Uh, he was the reason why, you know, New South Wales, I believe, he was the one that kind of rallied New South Wales in that game too. Um, mm. I know that we were talking about Tedesco and Nathan Cleary did what he had to do. But from a motivational point of view, he was the one that, and I think we mentioned this in our review a couple of weeks ago, he was the one going around 
slapping people on the back and just pumping them up, even during the game, not mm. just at halftime. And and I think that really made a difference. Um, now, if you look, I like to look at stats, uh, Tish, and I think there are like, some key stats that he has topped this year, which kind of give me give me a bit of uh, give a bit of weight to what you're talking about. So one of them. You know, again, uh, from the back, uh, as a fullback, it is hard to kind of lead. And so one way you do lead is uh, is the way that you return you know, kicks, basically. Mm. And his kick return meters is far and away the best in the NRL this year. It was 1,618 meters, and the next best was 1,291, James Sadesco. So I mean, if you if you're talking about a uh, on a metric that James Sadesco, one of the best players in the game, uh, consistently tops, and he was able to top him by quite a fair way, that's one sign. The other sign is player in support. It's a number of times that he was in support. Yeah, Clint Gutherson, top of the league, two hundred and fifty-two times. And the next best, well, only one behind was Jake Trebojevic. We know what a good support player he is. But I thought it was, uh, I thought that's fitting. Uh, you know, if you're talking about the captain, he leads from, well, he leads from the front in terms of, you know, as a fullback, but also, uh, you know, being the most supportive player this year. And and interestingly enough, I mean, if you look at, I'm, I'm looking at Cameron Smith's stats and there aren't too many that he really topped the league. And, and again, I've said this before, that when people talk about leadership and 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 kind of Cameron Smith's contribution and things like that, I do say that it is very, very difficult to talk about Cameron Smith in the light of other players when uh, in in his generation, in this generation, when when you don't really have much of like a highlights reel, so to speak. And by that, I'm, I don't mean highlights real you know doesn't i'm not expecting him to score tries or, or others as well but you know visibility is an important thing and if it's hard to see what they're doing out there um it it does make it very difficult to sort of put you in the same light as you know some of the inspirational leaders like a wally lewis or a mal meninga that kind of thing it's kind of obvious uh, when you see those top types of players, that that this is why they, you know, so this year I would say, uh, even though the Melbourne Storm won, I think Clint Gutherson, uh, I would have to agree. I think he's he's done enough to sort of show that he, um, you know, deserves this award because even though the the Eels, you know, they did lead for quite a bit, fair bit in the season, uh, and they kind of slipped away there a little bit uh, as as the year got to them. But I don't think that was Clint's fault. I think. He still tried to lead the way, and you know they did very well in the in the final series. They almost, you know, with a bit more of an effort from the rest of the team, I think probably could have got over the line and got close to that grand final. So, yeah, I'd agree. Clint Gutherson, the Imperator Award for 2020, well done, congratulations, all hail yeah, Clint I- Gutherson. All hail Clint Gutherson, and uh, you know you brought up that support, right? You know, obviously supportive leadership, but. Um, if you actually go through that top 50 there, you, you realize that very few of them are actually fullbacks because that is the hardest position to be in support of because you also need to be 20 meters behind everybody in defense, right? So um, that's kind of an amazing effort. Now, there is others like Peppenhausen and all that there, but you also got to remember he's also got that leadership role as a, as a captain as well. So I think, I think, I think, uh, yeah, I think far and above. 
um, probably the best captain in the NRL at the moment. So, yeah, Hal, Hal Gutherson, moving on, I think. All right. The next award is the Pater Award, Pater meaning father, and this is awarded to the best coach in rugby league. And we've had, uh, you know, three different winners in the last three years. We've had Craig Bellamy, Trent Robinson, and last year Christian Wolf of the Tonga national team. And this year, uh, who are you nominating? Oh, well, look, uh, again, a very difficult one. And then you've got to think about some of the performances that people had. You know, you think about, a play, you know, like a, uh, a coach like, um, you know, Justin Holbrook, um, you know, starts off with the Titans. Nobody felt the Titans would go anywhere. Uh, and they went somewhere. Now, not, not to the finals, but they got close. <laughs> Right, so, so so that's kind of a, an amazing achievement, right? But you don't really have a team that sort of. I suppose you've got the, you know, you've got the Panthers that didn't make the finals last year, uh, get in uh, into the minor premiership, and you've also got, um, I think there was another team that didn't uh, make it to the finals last year that got in this year. Um, but look, moving away from that, um, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, neither, a, you know, I think that, you know, Panthers, I think Ivan Cleary gets knocked out just purely on the fact that, uh, you know, he's sort of uh, ribbing on fans that pay for their tickets, um, you know, against the Tigers. And uh, yeah, he's, he can't win a grand final. So um, I've gone to Craig Bellamy, Bellyache. Well, I think that's his nickname. Uh, firstly, he's very cool and collected on the... Uh, you know, in the coaching box, you see that every week. Um, plus, uh, you know, thinking about, um, you know, Bellamy, you know, the squad, we've got to remember Melbourne, Melbourne Storm had to move to the Sunshine Coast, um, you know, sort of uh, during the, the lockdown break. So relocate uh, to 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 the north. You know, if you actually look at their lineup, um, a lot of the times they're always shedding new players, young players. And I think he's got a great role there, uh you know, sort of building that up. And, you know, he's taken them all the way to the grand final. And he's, he's uh, yeah, they've won the grand final once again this year. And um, I think, you know, they're talking about whether he's going to play for the Storm, you know, be the Storm coach next year and everything. I think, uh, you know, I think a brain like uh, Bellamy would be great for developing international rugby league um, and maybe developing some of the lesser known uh, countries um, and developing some of the players. I think he'd have a really good role there. So, for me, I've got to give it to Craig Bellamy, NRL winning coach, and uh, you know, uh, helping the team uh, settle into the Sunshine Coast. All right. Well, I'm going to go a bit different. So I, I'm actually look. I would have almost agreed with you up until this State of Origin series because I think. <laughs> oh wow. Because <laughs> I think, you know, for me, what I saw cemented Wayne Bennett uh, as the best coach this year. Because I think he took – and I'm, look, I don't buy into the whole this is the worst Queensland team in 40 years. That is not the case. We already talked about that. It was a pretty good team. It had some star players, but definitely had their weaknesses compared to the Blues team of the last couple of years. And I think it's fair to say that they didn't just win. I think they kind of dominated New South Wales this year, and uh, they dominated in possession. They dominated in – in the little things and, and you could tell, I think in, if if, for me, one of the the more iconic kind of points of difference was uh, at halftime in game three, where, you know, New South Wales was running around, pumping each other up and all this sort of stuff. Uh, Obviously we talked about Gutherson trying to pump up the team and all that stuff, which is great. 
But then you look at the Queensland dressing room and they were all sitting down in a semicircle in front of the great Wayne Bennett who was calmly talking to them. Who knows what he was saying? But he was probably just telling them, keep doing what you're doing. You know, you know what you've got to do. Go out and do it. You know, it's that quiet self-confidence that he gives those players. And really, it was such a difference. You could. This is a difference. To have a, a coach like him, it gives players that quiet self-confidence that they know what they're doing. And, and they just go out and do it. Um, and to me, the, what he managed to do with this Queensland team so convincingly uh, in two of those three games sort of cemented him, in my mind, as a coach of the year. Let's not forget that his Rabbitohs team were four points away from making the grand final against the Storm. So mm. we, we could have actually seen a Bellamy versus Bennett grand final and that would have been epic. Uh, obviously, at the end of the day, the Panthers ended up winning that one and, and getting to the grand final and getting smacked in the grand final. But anyway, uh, so who knows what could have happened? But I think with a coach of of the uh, you know with the kind of uh, the I guess the history and the knowledge and the mm. experience of Wayne Bennett, we could have seen a totally different grand final. I think, and and so in my mind. Um, yeah, I think he is. It's it's a bit of a comeback. Like it, it's akin to that Clint Eastwood movie in the '90s or whatever it was. Remember when they won? Was it Gran Turismo or whatever it was? Uh, you know, mm. <laughs> he had. To me, Wayne Bennett is the Clint Eastwood of uh, yeah. of NRL coaches, and this was his comeback year. Not quite the 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 crowning glory in terms of uh, the Rabbitohs winning uh, another premiership, but he showed enough to show that, you know, he was the difference, uh, especially with that Queensland team. So, look, that's my view. What do you think? Uh, did I manage to convince you, Tish? Well, yeah, well, yeah. Look, the thing is, uh, you know, he did – he was kind of unwanted at Brisbane last year and he's moved down to the Rabbitohs and, you know, they've sort of gone through injuries, um, you know. Uh, so, you know, and then, yeah, without Latrell and everything, still had a great end to the season. So – yeah, I could see that. So, you know, and then plus the, you know, the Wayne Bennett's million dollar baby Bronco, baby what, baby Bennett's or whatever they're called, uh, you know, winning winning the state of origin with uh, dirty Harry Grant. So. Uh, <laughs> That's right. So, it's, all, it's all connecting, see? <laughs> it's all connecting, yeah. So what was that Western, that Spaghetti Western that he did like the, uh, the good, the bad and the ugly? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. He had it all this season, uh, so yeah. So I think we have to give it to Wayne. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think Wayne better. Uh, you know, first time winner for the great Wayne as well for this award. So uh, oh, he must be chuffed. I mean, he must. You know, he must be chuffed. This this award, the Parter Award. Congratulations, Wayne Bennett. Will go right next to the Queensland State of Origin trophy uh, <laughs> or shield or whatever it is that they win. So well done. Yeah. Uh, all how Wayne Bennett. Oh, hey, wait a minute. All right. Now, the Caesar Award. So this is uh, Caesar, meaning ruler, is awarded to the best male player in the world. And uh, in 2017, we had Jason Tamalolo. And for the last two years, we've had James Tedesco winning this award. And I'm going to put to you, Tish, that I think he deserves to win it a third year in a row. 
I'm nominating James Tedesco for the best male player in the world. I know that Jack Whiten won the award for the uh, um, the Dally M Award for best player of the year, and but I I have to say that that I, I think James Tedesco in a struggling Roosters side played his heart out as he usually does. I mean, once again, he topped the stats in terms of run meters in the whole league. And I told you, and, you know, Clint Gutherson came second. So, you know, it's no no question why we picked those two for other awards as well. Uh, he's also got, um, what else did he get? Uh, I think there was another one I'm looking at. Line break assists, 21 line break assists, topping the league yet again. Tackle breaks, topping the league yet again. Uh, you know, some really, I mean, these are key metrics that, you know, not only is he the best at, at tackle breaks, he's also there backing up when there's a line break uh, and he's been there more than anyone. Again, a great support player. And all that means that it just adds up to, you know, someone who runs more than anyone and gets the most yardage out of every, anyone in rugby league. Uh, and again, I think he's had he's done that for several years running. So, look, in my mind, uh, you know, in comparison maybe to last year, you know, obviously he had a bit of a quieter year, but I still think I can't think of anyone else that consistently played better than him. Uh, and to me, Game 2 State of Origin solidified the fact that, you know, he was close to New South Wales' best player and he just did everything. He was one of the most dangerous, for sure, um, when he had the ball in his hand. And the fact that they totally capitulated once he got knocked out in Game Three, sort of in my mind, you know, is a is a is a true litmus test for how how valuable he is as a player. So, in my mind, I think he deserves to win that award again this year, making him the first to win three years in a row. Tish convince me otherwise well the roosters did not go back to back to back or to back I don't, I don't have any, <laughs> that's I've right said enough right so they did not do that uh, so that's why i think i would cancel out to disco and look to be honest he uh you know he also yes i know he got injured game three but game one was a pretty ordinary game from Tedesco. i remember um you know a couple of uh, drop balls and uh didn't he like uh even one of the tries he scored in the uh Came off yeah, anyway. So so I'm not too sure if look, he's a great player. He is he is like, you know, uh he he he's gotta be the cop conversation for like the best player in the world, definitely, uh James Tedesco. But I kind of felt that he faded towards the end of the season. Uh but one player that did not fade is is Cameron Munster. And Cameron Munster, yes, he might not lead all the stats. Uh, you know, he might not be the uh you know, David Middleton's favourite player, but he's a winner. <laughs> You know when uh, you know when you need to win, when you need uh, to roll the dice. You know he monster is your man, and the reality is, uh, you know if you go back and watch Game Three, which is hard for a New South Welshman to actually watch that game, but what you did notice is how much he not only did he uh, he took control of the Queensland team. Um, there was very little that, that I felt that. Uh, that uh, DCE did, and I think most of the kicking and most of the general play, most of the organisation and all the try scoring came from Cameron Munster. He was kind of like the halfback and 5-8 in one. 
So I think he's gone to another level, and uh, he's definitely, uh, you know, very, very much improved. So, yeah, so that's why I'd give it a monster. So I suppose now we've got a bit of a, uh, we've got it, we've got a pass here, right? Who do we, who do we go for? Do we go Mexican, for? It's uh, a Mexican standoff. But look, I look, oh, normally I'd right. say okay, but I don't think Munster has done enough uh, in terms of. Uh, Mm. Uh, I guess uh, you know we we have look we did give him the award. What did, which award did we just give him? What's it called again? Let me just scroll back up. Uh, oh, what do we call it? We didn't. Did we give him an award yet? No, we haven't. Yeah, uh, I think we gave him rookie of the year, didn't we? Or that uh, he he narrowly. No, no, I, no. Sorry, I nominated him for Augustus Award. So <laughs> most improved yeah. player. Um, again, the question is. Does is that enough uh, to sort of put him above anyone else? So yeah, I, this is the thing. Okay. I think even though Tedesco had a, a less than stellar year, I think it would still better than any other player. Whereas uh, I think you, I've convinced you that because yep. Munster has improved this year. But one thing yep. I do look stats are not the be all and end all. But having said that, I've just looked at all of the main stats categories on NRL.com, and Cameron Munster doesn't feature in the top five in any of them, in any of yeah. the good ones, I mean. And well, so that that's a bit of a worry. I think that tells me that, you know, he has not played – I don't think he has been consistently the best. I mean, in a squad like the Storm, it's obviously mm. difficult to kind of stand out, um, and, and that seems to be the case. I think, in fact, Storm players – uh, a few of them here and there popped up, but no one really stood out uh, yeah. and won those individual kind of stats awards. And so that, that, yeah. that's a bit of a, uh, an issue for me. Yes, yes, I, I could say that. And I'm just having a look here now at the Dally M's. And the Dally M's are, I've got to say the Dally M's are very interesting, right? Because, like, obviously ne- neither of us went to Jack Watton, Gutherson, or Cleary, which were the top three. Um, and you can make cases for all of them as well. But I think... Um, you know, they kind of shine these three players amongst their peers a little bit. Um, you know, they're, they're, their peers, unfortunately, will, are not likely to be three two-and-ones at the end of every game, uh, even though they'll have solid performances throughout the year. But if we just go by off this, um, we've got uh, Cameron Munster with 14 points and uh, James Tedesco. Are you ready for this, Dr. T? Mm-hmm. 15 points. <laughs> <laughs> so, on that basis, I'm going to concede James Tedesco three in a row. Um, and, 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 and look, another another important uh, important uh, decision is that if I actually go back and look at these uh, look at these Dalliums once again, um, Cameron Monster is actually third ranked <laughs> out of the Storm players, um, whereas Tedesco only Luke Carey is above him. But I think. Luke Carey, because of the positioning plays, is going to get a three, two, and one more than more than Tedesco at times. But I think James Tedesco, uh, yeah, I, I I think on that basis uh, deserves the award. So uh, maybe better luck next time for Munster. All right. So all hail, all James hail Tedesco, James Tedesco, the the first Italian on the list, I'd say. That's <laughs> right. And three in a row, well done. I mean, that's awesome. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Speaking of three in a row, I think this will come up in the next award. So this is uh, the the Livia Drazilla Award. And Livia Drazilla was the first female empress of Rome. 
So this award goes to the best female player in the world. Uh, and last year it was the inaugural award was won by Jessica Sergis. And this year I'm going to propose uh, that this award goes to the key player in uh, the Broncos lineup who this year, I mentioned three in a row, this year won uh, the third um, third in a row uh, NRL Women's Premiership and obviously the key player, the key star player throughout this whole campaign this year was Ali Brigginshaw. And mm. I think in my mind she kind of – she had a, a bit of a James Tedesco-like year like he did last year, basically. But she had that kind of year this year, and and she was, I think, she's the critical reason why uh, why they won this one. Tish, uh, do you agree? Yeah, I I, I do agree. I think uh, Ali B is uh, is the number one B, the queen B <laughs> of the WNRL. Uh, NRLW. NRLW. Yep. Uh, so yeah, because we want we want to put women last. So we don't want to put them first, right? Is that? I don't know. If <laughs> well, that's no, what I think that the means. thing is that the NRL comes first. <laughs> I think that's what that means. Uh, the yeah, NRL right. always comes first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, so we won't read too much into these. But look, she she's a star. I, I've got to say, like you know, um, it's good to see her being an ambassador, and I think she's um, probably the the, the first uh, female rugby league player where you know she's being noticed uh, more and more. Um, so, and it is really important when you're really starting off to have a an icon like that sort of. Um, be there. So I think, uh, you know, uh, she's been a great ambassador to, to rugby league and, you know, it's going to be uh, amazing. You know, the NRLW is really go- uh, getting there. I know that this year they've had a few uh, ex-rugby union gold medal winners from Brazil uh, in, in their actual lineups as well. So um, only bigger and better for the NRLW. And uh, yeah, I think this uh, thoroughly deserves as well. Hail uh, Ali Briganshaw. Ali Briganshaw, oh, yeah. All hell, Ali B. All hell, Ali B. Queen B. Well done, Queen B. Yeah. All right, couple more to go. The console award. Um, I'm guessing this is where you'll be interested in this one, Tish. This <laughs> this is coming to the highest official console, meaning highest official. This is awarded to the best administrator in the game, and uh, this was a new award last year and was given to Ralph Rumar, the CEO of the RFL, who. I don't know if this year he would be entitled to it, but this year, in my view, I think there's only there's really only one candidate, and I'm going to advocate strongly for Peter Volandis, PVL, who hmm. who not only showed himself to be the best administrator in uh you know in in Australia, I think in Australian sport, but possibly in the world because he really put the NRO on the map post COVID. He had. They had a plan in place. They brought. They brought the players back. They instituted the bubble. They did everything they needed to do. But not only that, it, they also. Uh, he also was instrumental in uh, taking that opportunity, uh, the break, uh, to to kind of re- reinvigorate the game with several rule changes that have made the game uh, a bit more of a spectacle. Uh, don't, we don't always agree with everything. I mean, I certainly have issues with the six again kind of uh, ruling, but it certainly you can't argue that it hasn't, uh, you know, done uh, something to the spectacle of the game. 
and made it more exciting and, and more free-flowing because that's exactly what it's done. And that's all down to Peter Volandis with his unilateral approach to rule changes. And uh, no, but in, in all seriousness, I think he's done very well this year. But Tish, we've had a lot to say about Peter Volandis almost on a weekly basis. So do you mm. agree that Peter Volandis is the best administrator in rugby league this year? Yeah, look, I, I definitely do that. I think PVL has been the man, you know, for a chairman. You never see him sitting down. And, uh, you know, he's he's fighting with everybody, PVL. You know, he's uh, he's took on premieres. He's took on, uh, you know, ex-CEOs of the NRL. He's taken on the AFL CEO. He's he's done everything, uh, you know, possible to uh, to get the game up and running. And, and just not just that, but also bring it there. And I think the... The improvements so far, most of them have gone well. Um, you know, there were, you know, but he's, he, there is also uh, quite a lot of... Look, he's, 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 his thing is he gets things done, right? And he's, he's trying to move the game forward. And I think that's that's the type of person you do need in, in our administration. You do need some an opposite effect as well sometimes. And I think that maybe some of the decisions might have been a little overreaching, but... I think overall, I think he's done a tremendous job to get um, rugby league back on track a little bit this year, and uh, let's hope that you know we're sort of in the post, uh, you know, we're in the post sort of COVID phase. It's, it looks like we're getting things out of it. I mean, ho- hopefully, you know, there's vaccine coming out, all this sort of thing. Um, but let's hope that the momentum still, still sort of goes with, uh, you know, with P- uh, PVL that we we don't stop innovating and improving the game because I think. Um, you know, we don't we don't want to slow down a little bit. We we still want to move forward. So so hopefully PVL's got more uh, more tricks tricks up his sleeve um, to improve the game. All right, well done. All hail Peter Volandis. All hail PVL. <laughs> PVL. All right, a couple more to go. The Pious Felix Award, meaning pious and uh, blessed or blessed, uh, is awarded to the personal group who has done the most to live up to the community ideals of rugby league. Last year, the winner of this inaugural award back then was uh, Alan Tung. And this year, I'm going to nominate Connor Watson, who uh, who sort of initiated this thing called the Boots for Brighter Futures initiative, which has been instrumental in combating suicide amongst uh, Indigenous youth. Uh, he was also the Ken Stephen Medal winner, and and so I think uh, that to me is another kind of uh, uh, we'd like to I guess echo the sentiments behind that as well because I think uh, you know the story of Connor is, is quite interesting. Uh, you know, basically, you know, with he was touched by by suicide in uh, and, and you know and depression in the family as well, and 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 friends etc and so he decided to do something about it and set up uh, uh you know an initiative where where they basically uh you know through rugby league encourage indigenous youth to kind of combat suicide and, and deal with their mental health issues so i think that's really fantastic initiative and in and this day and age in covid the covid environment where mental health uh and especially uh, health issues in general um, amongst, uh, you know, some of the poorer communities, some of the disadvantaged communities, and in Australia, especially the Indigenous communities. This is kind of a fitting, uh, I believe, award for him this year. Um, and, and certainly those what, what he's doing has definitely been recognised, and we'd like to recognise that as well. 
Satish, uh, do you agree with this uh, nomination? Yes, I agree, and I think um, yeah, I echo your thoughts there. And I think it's a great. Uh, it's a great initiative that Connor Watson has taken on, and it's great to send an ambassador in the NRL uh, to to uh, these issues. Um, you know, obviously, you know the the social distancing, the isolation that people have been facing. You know, all this sort of uh, you know what you're hearing about uh, happening in social media and and in the cyber world and everything like this. I think uh, you know the most important part, like uh, you know, the 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 really hard work that. Um, you know, Connor Watson is sort of uh, trying to to go out there. It's very important, very good to 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 get, to get that awareness going. So I think uh, well deserving, and let's hope that uh, let's hope that it could make a real difference in our world. Uh, all hail Connor Watson! Absolutely, well done, Connor Watson. All hail Connor Watson! All right, now we are up to our final award, and uh, this is uh, you know a bit of a big one because this is the one that. Look, it's the, called the Princeps Award, which means first citizen, and it's awarded to the person or group who has done the most to expand and improve the game of rugby league. And if you listen to who has won this award since its inception, I think you'll see, uh, you know, that, that this is a, a really great award and such a prestigious one. Uh, in 2016, our inaugural winners were the Latin Heat uh for what they've doing here in Australia to, you know, improve, uh, increase participation amongst Latin populations. And then we had in 2017, Eric Perez, the founder and CEO of the Toronto Wolfpack. <laughs> in 2018, we had Jason Tomalolo for what he had done to reinvigorate Tongan Rugby League. And then this was followed up by last year, the Tonga national team and Tonga fans jointly winning the award in 2019 for what they did in toppling the world-beating kangaroos and uh, and really just totally reinvigorating international rugby league. And look, this year, I think in, in the COVID year and the strange year that it's been, uh, we mentioned him before, but I think the key person, when people look back at what what has anyone done this year to sort of put rugby league on the map to keep it surviving and to put it in front and center as a professional sport leading the way uh, in terms of how to handle the COVID situation and, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I think no doubt that Peter Volandis deserves this award. I think it wasn't just the way that uh, he kind of insisted on, um, you know, the, the, the plan to bring the, the, the game back, but he wanted to be the first at a time when governments were still, you know, we were still in very much uh, a very risky environment and people were thinking, I remember at the time we thought, are these guys kidding? They want to be back on the field in three weeks when everything is still in shutdown and lockdown. Um, but they managed to pull it off. They managed to be the first professional league uh, in, in, in the world uh, and certainly made made waves in the news internationally as well. And this was all down to Peter Volandis and his insistence on doing things this way, his insistence on us being the first off the blocks, out of the blocks uh, post-COVID, which we were, and we certainly got attention because of it. But not only that, what he did to sort of change the rules and, and, and make things a bit more exciting, whether you like them or not, um, you can't argue that it, that it hasn't had the effect that, 
we want, which is to make it a more exciting game, definitely more than it's been in the last few years. So, look, in my mind, Peter Volandis is a well-deserving winner of the Princeps Award. Tish, it's up to you. You've got the veto power here. Oh, what, yeah. What look, say you? Do you agree with PVL? Yeah, well, look, I've got to say, you know, I think Peter means rock. <laughs> That's uh, right, it does. True. It does. And I think, if well, you know, in this times, these uncertain times, we needed a rock to uh to to hold it together and uh you know so we've gone with Peter Valandis uh the first non hyphen muk of it like a muk is normally the hyphen that you normally hear but he's a v hyphen l so you know uh there's not that many around I've got to say so that's also very interesting but I think PVL definitely the deserved winner uh, let's not forget this is only his part time job I think he's also the head of uh, horse racing as well in New South Wales so <laughs> <That's> he, <right. laughs> So, um, you know, so he's, uh, you know, so if if the police ever get a missing persons award from his wife, well, he's either doing racing or NRL because I don't know where he has time for his family. But look, I think PBL, look, uh, in all seriousness, um, he held it all together. Look, uh, you know, as I said, yeah, look, you you may not agree with every single decision that that he has made this year, but I think... um, you know the the type of administrator that he's is shown to be, and just the way he's been able to do things, um, it has it has sustained the game. Um, could he have made some better decisions? Sure. Could he have, um, you know, done things differently? Um, probably. But I think in the end, um, when he needed um, sort of leadership, you know, they were always he was always on the front foot a little bit, and uh, you know, the NRL has been guilty of that in the past, and um, everything now. You know the rhetoric. Uh, he's he's changed the way the conversation is about the NRL. I've got to say, because it's no longer about you know the yesteryear, but it's all about you know hey let's put another team in Brisbane. You know today the draw was released. You know so the draw has been released for next year. This is where all the games are playing. Uh, you know we're trying to get New Zealand to um, to play games out of New Zealand next year. Um, you know uh, we don't want them to have the bubble, but. Yeah, we'll make plans and, you know, if, uh, you know, and he's talking about the grand final next year as well, like, you know, that he'll do whatever he can to keep it in Sydney. And, you know, it's like everything is about what's going to happen forward. <laughs> and and that's, I think, the, you know, and I think Rugby League needed that for a long time. So um, I think well done, Peter Villanders. And, yeah, he definitely deserves the first Citizen Award for 2020. And uh, he might be a very hard candidate to beat next year. I think he'd be the first repeat winner for this award potentially, but let's see how he goes. Absolutely. All right. Well, Peter Volandis officially gets our final award, the Princeps Award for the First Citizen. All hail Peter Volandis. Hail Peter Volandis. Well done. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps up our award ceremony this year. The music has started. Uh, the yeah. credits are rolling. It's time for us to wrap up this podcast for the entire year. In fact, this is our last episode of the year. So, uh, look, I'd like to sort of, as we wrap up, thank everyone for supporting us this year. We've had a bit of an uptick in, in the number of people listening to us. So that's it's really uh, – look, we're stoked about that. Like to know that there's even anyone beyond us listening to this drivel is just amazing. <laughs> So thank you very much uh, for all of you uh, from wherever you are around the world. I know we've got some fans over there in the UK, so thank you very much for that. Um, 
keep up uh yeah hopefully we can keep up the content next year hopefully you, you continue to enjoy what we have to say about rugby league we love rugby league obviously we love talking about it we have our own views and and uh you know we we just uh yeah we, we're very passionate about it and i know that we we definitely do connect with uh people out there who share this uh the passion for this game and uh and and our point of view as well so look thank you very much for that hopefully you can continue to have a good year this year wherever you are um stay safe uh stay covid safe uh, wherever you are hopefully next year will be a much better year i know this year has been quite forgettable in many ways um so looking forward to a really great New Year's Eve. Hopefully, people, wherever you are, you get to celebrate and uh, draw a line under 2020 and move on to a positive 2021. But look, uh, thank you very much once again for listening to us. Don't forget, you can catch us at uh, on our email at rorepublic at gmail.com. Check us out on our website, on Facebook and on Twitter and on iTunes as per usual. Everyone knows the drill. But look, uh I guess it's over to you, Tish, to sign us off for the final time in 2020. Yeah, well, thank you, Dr. T, for an amazing year. And I'd like to thank all of our listeners for listening uh, to the Rugby League Republic for 2020. Uh, it's been a, it's been a hard grind. It's been a tough season. But uh, without your support, we couldn't have made it through. And uh, look out for us in, in, in the new year in February 2021. Um, you know, the, the season kicked off in March. So looking forward to that. But look... Have a great Christmas, have a great New Year's, have a great Chinese New Year and all the different festivities, Black Friday, whatever is coming up towards the end of the year and in the New Year, just have a, have a great time and we will see you on the other side. But look, that's all the time that we have for this edition and this year of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.